Welcome to Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up with the Successpert, award-winning financial educator, wealth expert, speaker, and author, Alfred Edmund Jr. And your co-host, life coach and author, D. Marshall. It's Be Lifted Up. Be Lifted Up. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. I am D.C. Marshall, and he is Alfred Edmund Jr. Hey there, Alfred. Hey, D. It's good to be riding with you again. (laughs) And this is a show about faith and finances. And if you've been listening for some time, you know we, I think for a long time now, we've had some amazing guests come on and talk to us about things that are really close to our hearts in terms of how we do well and increase um, in the areas of spiritual wellness and increase in the area of financial wellness. And so on today's show, we have a really awesome guest again. And uh, and I'm looking forward to our guest today. Uh, do you know, well, you know what, I won't spoil it, Alfred, but um, I'm sure you know our guest or you've had some history. Well, fellow New York journalist, it's been a really, really, really long time since I've seen her. Um, I mean, seen her face to face. Obviously, she's someone I've seen regularly because she is an Emmy award-winning television journalist on Spectrum News New York One. So if you're a New Yorker, you know our guest. Yeah. Very exciting guest. Very blessed to have her on the show. She has a great new book that really is relevant to our audience as a faith community. Um, and so I'm, I'm really, really excited about not only the book, but our guests. On this show, we are talking about what's behind the development of gospel music. And today, specifically, we're talking about women who changed gospel music. We know there are a lot of really, I'm going to say, women in gospel music who are really showing up with really big brands and really hot music. And, you know, they're all over IG and they are hosting radio shows and such. But on this show, we really want to look at, but who are the women who really changed the game? And so uh, we have a guest today who we're going to bring in in just a minute. But Alfred, these stats are really interesting. And what we have learned in preparing for today's show is U.S. record music revenue recently reached a retail value of $12.2 billion in 2020, which is so interesting because it's like it's the pandemic. Like, okay, so hold on, right? But um, $12.2 billion in 2020, 90% of that was digital sales, Okay, so we're just level setting everybody for this conversation on women who change gospel music. And we're looking at gospel music and where it is today. So this 90 percent of digital uh, sales, it comes from streaming and subscriptions and downloads versus 10 percent of physical product sales. So, Alfred, I guess that means like, you know, uh, physical product was that would that have been like 45s and records and CDs and such? Well, in 2020, it's probably CDs. I can't imagine it being a technology any less than that. But yeah, that's why it's so little. I mean, most of us are not buying physical products to listen to music anymore. But I would imagine you're talking about CDs. I think those are some of the stats that were that were shared yeah. with us. Like 10% is physical product. Mm-hmm. I was really just being, like, it was really just a side eye, like 45s. And just to see if you were paying attention. Oh, I thought it was a dig that I'm a little bit older than you are. You know, so. I wasn't going to tell anybody. I'm not going to be like your big brother. And, and, I was not going to say it. <laughs> I was not going to say it. But look, gospel music, 
um, really gets swept into a broad category of religious music. So I think, you know, our guests will hopefully share, hopefully uh, share some insight there. Um, but also we found that approximately 3.2% of all music consumed was air quotes religious, among whom were some of our favorite gospel songs by artists like CC Winans, which they got a rebrand and they got a, a you know a bump up with that versus, um, as well as Tasha Cobbs Leonard, um, Corinne Hathorne, Ricky, Ricky Dillard, which I think he just won an award, um, BB Winans, I think he too definitely was a star of a show recently that was with the versus. Did you see that, Alfred? Did not see that versus. Oh my goodness. Sorry, right, I missed it. I don't know how you go back and see no, I think that. You, I but... think there's a way to go back and see it. I need to check it out, especially if you're raving because you don't waste your time on on. on I think you would enjoy it. Okay. I think you would enjoy and appreciate it. But you know why? I think you'll get into even from a business perspective, like I think you're going to lean in like, what is happening here? This is really interesting versus number one, but number two, but even like faith and gospel and the whole big stage, you know, Tabitha Brown was there and Mary Mary was there. But in any event, what we're talking about is really- uh, Let's this, not forget Tamla Mann because we had her and David on the show. Oh, that's right. That's right. right. A couple, just a couple of episodes ago. So we're going to give love to David and Tamla. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking about some of the iconic names in, in gospel and contemporary gospel in particular. Um, it is an important topic to me because gospel as an industry is a very interesting story separate and apart from Black music as an industry as a whole, especially when you look at how gospel has- helped drive historically blues, R&B, you know, a lot of the greatest singers that we know came out of gospel music. Um, but it's the other thing, which is that for me personally, and we talk about how we were all impacted by that pandemic, though I was raised on gospel music, I came out of the church, grandson of a Baptist minister. Um, I got a whole branch of my family, the Edmund Cousins that are very known in Central Jersey. My uncle organized them to like the Jackson Five of gospel singers growing up, a couple of my cousins still sing professionally as a result of that. Um, so it's something that's near and dear to my heart personally. And now, it, you know, people know I'm into bodybuilding. My main music of choice when I work out is Kirk Franklin and, you know- uh, Interesting. You know, contemporary, you know, upbeat contemporary gospel, but it's feeding the spirit while I'm building my body. And so this whole gospel music conversation has a, a deep meaning for me from a business standpoint, as well as as a personal and, and spiritual standpoint. So yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's go to the history and then we're going to bring in our guests. So let's just talk about history because we, you know, sort of wanted to uh, level set in terms of where we are now. But historically, gospel music, uh, what we should remember is our most celebrated gospel pioneers include Thomas Dorsey, known as the father of gospel, Mahalia Jackson, known as the queen of gospel, uh, James Cleveland, known as the king of gospel. And, you know, really the golden age of gospel was also filled with pioneering women who we may not uh, know about, but those who really made a difference on the road to abundance. Women who really carved out their own paths and planted roots for other people to reap the harvest, like the names that we know now. But they were change agents who yes. left a legacy that often rivaled the music. And so right now today, we're going to have a conversation because in her new book, isn't her grace, amazing. The women who change gospel music, our guest today, 
Cheryl Wills highlights women in the gospel industry who often go unnoticed and underappreciated for their talents, including they were writers, they were arrangers, they were directing, they were developing singers, as well as those who have left an indelible mark on the industry. Notable names include Queen Mothers, Sisters in Song. I'm not going to go through the list now because I want to bring in Cheryl. So Cheryl, will you please join us? Come to center stage, the microphone, round of applause, the crowd goes wild. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Oh, it's so good to see you, Dee and Alfred. What an honor to share the same space with you and all of your amazing listeners with Be Lifted Up. I am so grateful for this opportunity. I really am. You know, Cheryl, again, I, because I'm a New Yorker, I, 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 I see you more than you see me. I can guarantee you that. Um, but in your own right, and I'm so glad, you know, we're talking about this book is about great journalism in addition to the story that you're telling. But you are an Emmy Award-winning journalist for Spectrum News, New York One, the first African-American woman to host a primetime nightly newscast for the cable network. You anchor the Emmy-nominated broadcast live at 10 on weeknights. And, you know, you do it all. And we are just so glad about how you represent as a Black woman, as a journalist, because that, that means mm -hmm. something to me. Um, yeah. And, you know, we can do a whole nother show about the state of our profession these days, but I, I, I just want our audience to know that the person writing this book is the right person to write this book. <laughs> Thank so you. I, I really appreciate you. We'll talk about your, you know, a little bit about your career, but talk about what led you to this project. You know, I appreciate everything you said. And you make an excellent point when you said this is the right person to write this book, because here's the reality, Alfred. A lot of people write our stories who don't know our stories, who haven't lived our stories. I heard you say you were the grandson of a minister. So was I. I was the granddaughter of two ministers. Both of my grandfathers were ministers. I got a double dose. So I grew up with gospel music. It was my breast milk, if you will, being in church with my family and listening to all of these dynamic artists literally make a way out of no way. So it is really my honor to amplify their careers because here's what I know for sure. So many of the people in my book, when they died, their legacies died with them. That doesn't sit well with me. I don't, I know it doesn't sit well with you either, Alfred and Dee, because when I post things on my social media, I'll say things about Rosetta Tharp or Sally Martin. I get back in my DMs, who are they? That's unacceptable. And you know whose fault that is? Ours. We have to tell their stories. And so that's what I do in this book. Isn't her grace amazing? Amplifying the stories of amazing women who made a mark in gospel music. Cheryl Wills, Emmy Award winning news anchor, the Spectrum New York One, but more importantly, the author of a new book about women in gospel. Isn't her grace amazing? The women who changed gospel music. You know, you know, we're going, to, we're going to get into, obviously, the, the legacy in terms of the impact on the music industry and, and the impact on Black people and, you know, these untold stories that need to be yeah. told. But I want to start out with really my memories of, you know, so a lot of the classic gospel that, you know, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm deep into Kirk Franklin and the more contemporary gospel. Mm -hmm. 
But I still remember just being a child in my mother's kitchen and she's listening to gospel on the radio and Mahalia Jackson and James Cleveland and those songs. And not just listening, again, like most people, I listen to a lot of secular music. I got a thousand songs on my iTunes, okay? Yeah. And things that impact that I still remember as a child about how how that music used to carry my mother through just difficult times. And you could see her drawing strength from that as she was in my family, you know, a divorced single mother and a working poor mother working in a working class community with four children that she was trying to bring through and knew she couldn't do it without without the Lord and made sure we understand that we wouldn't get without the Lord. And so even when the uh, the recent documentary, I think it may have been more than one, but I know I watched one of Mahalia Jackson. Yeah. I was watching it for, yes, this is a great story, but it immediately brought back to my spirit. Yeah. Like to the point of tears that yeah. this is the music that brought so many generations of us through, as you say, when there was no way, it seemed that there was right. no way and it got us through. So I have to imagine that your, your work on this project really did, was a spiritual experience for you. Alfred, you hit the nail on the head. It, I teared up listening to you say those things because the same thing happened to me when I was writing it. I thought about both of my grandmothers scrubbing toilets and having gospel music to get them through. And, you know, Opal and Sally, my grandmothers, scrub toilets, but because of their dignity in their work, I now sit on an anchor desk every night. And it was because of the praying women and the praying men, nothing against men, of course, but the praying women, the women that I write about in this book who would bear down when the going got tough. And they would sing, like you said, a song by Mahalia Jackson, How I Got Over. They would sing a song by Rosetta Tharp. They would sing songs by Willie Mae Ford Smith. When women sang, nothing against our beautiful brothers, but when women sang, Alfred, they would change the air in the room because they faced so many obstacles, much like women today. You you have so many fights. Forget racism. You got to fight all the isms within your own community. And when I was researching this book, some of them told me how they were seen as novelty acts during the golden days of gospel music. They might have Mahalia as one act, but then 10 acts of men. So the women were sort of like, okay, we're going to take a break now. Let the woman sing, (laughs) you know, and that wasn't cool with the women, but they did what they had to do to get to where they needed to be. So you are so right. This is music. Gospel means good news, right? We learned that in, in Sunday school. And this is the good news of women who use their voice to make a difference in this world. You know, Cheryl, I may have overlooked this, but what inspired you to write this? I'm thinking, Cheryl, is this her journalist uh, lens or is is she a musician or is it just a a desire to really hold up our ancestors? I think that's part of my question. And so I'd love to hear the inspiration behind the book and from which lens you wrote. The inspiration, D was my grandmother. It was really all of the above that you mentioned, but first and foremost, I would sit next to the piano 
with my grandmother. My grandmother was the prayer band leader, the choir director, the missionary. It was She was the first lady of a little storefront church here in New York City. And I was her first grandchild. So you could just see me squeezing next to my favorite grandma on the piano stool. And my grandmother was an incredible singer. Her name was Opal Wills. And she had an alto voice that would rip the roof off of that little dusty church. Do you hear what I'm saying? I would see people catch the Holy Ghost. Now I'm a little kid looking at, but it was the power of how my grandmother sang. And then Saturday nights when we were getting ready for church, she would press my hair and we would listen to Inez Andrews, Albertina Walker, Shirley Caesar. And I'd be like, oh, they sing just like grandma, but actually grandma was singing like them. So that was the inspiration. First and foremost, my singing grandmother who left us in body, but not in spirit in 2019. And I dedicate the book to her, D, because, you know, like I said, yeah. my number one reason was because these women, their legacies are buried with them. That is unacceptable. When my grandmother left us, I said, I'll spend the rest of my life making sure people know who Opal Wills was. Don't we all feel like that about our grandparents? We, it's up to us to keep their legacies alive. So when I started doing the work, this was a natural fit all the way around. I listened to every woman in this book. No one's a stranger to me. Wow. So let me just say, I feel very uh, proud for you because you're a leader who is responsible with your yeah. seat. And Alfred yes. mentioned something before. And what I mean by that is, one, that you use your voice and your platform, your access and your resource to hold up the community, right? So yes. that's one thing that's sort of playing out for me in terms of who you are. But yeah. the other is, uh, you know, my, one of my mentors, Dr. Barbara Skinner-Williams would say, yeah. you know, we're really responsible or going to be held accountable for our seat, Yes, that's right? exactly we right. Get to the gate. And- um, I had had a conversation with some corporate women about how some of the seasoned women were starting to retire and we really needed to capture uh, some of their legacy in the form of their lessons. And yes. I started talking to them about, you know, we really need to get together and write a book in terms of, uh, you know, capturing their lessons, their wisdom, their best practices and put it into something so that we can hold them up and leave something behind. And you did that. That is exactly what you did as a leader and as a journalist. And I have so much more respect for you, just kind of processing that to hear you talk and just your spirit and your energy. So I just really want to thank you for doing it for us. This is part of you know our history. We're having a lot of conversations since the diversity tipping point in the last two years about our stories and, you know, our ancestors and yeah. who paved the way and we need stories. Uh, I interviewed uh, Bryant McBride and Kimberly yeah. Davis from the yeah. National Hockey League uh, just last week. And they were talking about the first, uh, you know, black hockey player. And I feel like you, along with people, him and Bryant McBride are such gems to our community. So thank you. Oh, no, thank you for saying that. That means a lot. And D, you and Alfred are doing the work as well, giving us a platform. So I salute both of you. Be Lifted Up Radio is all that, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <you're the staff. laughs> 
<laughs> Listen, we're about to you know, move into our next break. Um, we're here with Cheryl Wills, who has her great new book that's actually receiving rave response. Isn't her grace amazing? The women who change gospel music, listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. We'll be right back. Okay, y'all. Sisters in Solidarity, a celebration of girl groups for Black Music Month, hosted by the award-winning Funky Divas, In Vogue. It's Cindy Heron from In Vogue with this Black Music Month Spotlight. I'm so from the Bay, they were ahead of their time. Style and musical trendsetters for every girl group that followed. With three Grammy Awards and two American Music Awards, they're one of the first girl groups to have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. We're really hard workers, and we go out there and we take our job very seriously. With hits like Automatic, Jump, He's So Shy, and I'm So Excited, we celebrate the Pointer Sisters, our sisters in solidarity. Girl groups who shape the fabric of contemporary music and soundtracks of our lives. Be sure to join the hashtag Ladies in Solidarity Music Challenge on Instagram. To experience more, visit CafeMochaRadio.com. Brought to you by... It's time to embrace you, your melanin-rich skin, and its unique beauty needs. When you get over the age of 50, you definitely have to start using things on your skin. I know is made specifically to address maturing skin conditions. All of the I know products provide highly effective natural ingredients dedicated to delivering proven results. The best advice my mother gave me, take care of your skin now so to take care of you later. I know, your beauty solution for maturing skin. And we're back. It's Be Lifted Up. We're here with Cheryl Wills and we're talking about the brand new book. And you know what I thought, Cheryl, before we were going to the break? And I always come up or sometimes I come up with ideas about how do we amplify this work? And I feel like your book is history. Yes, it is. It's in schools. You know where I'm going with this. It's <laughs> in schools because I feel like, no, this yeah. is now a new normal and normalizing yeah. us telling our history. And it's not yeah. necessarily just Black history. This is American history, right? American we know history. that there's a special sentiment for Black people because it's Black people, but we're talking about American history history when we talk about music and we talk about people who paved the way so Mm -hmm. I'm wondering about your book and you know it's getting rave reviews but any conversation about how this goes into you know K through 12 is there a talk or a tour that needs to be happening at the museums like you know I, I think there's something happening in Nashville with the music museum something in Detroit with like a Motown something and I just yeah. feel like your contribution there's even more to help us in this season of where we are really open to telling our stories and having the world line up yeah that's a great question and you know what D there was a war going on right now on telling black stories in schools. And I know because I'm also the great, great, great granddaughter of a Civil War soldier. And my books about that Civil War soldier are in schools. And I remember what we had to go through to get that book in schools. And so that is something that we all need to raise an eyebrow over. Why is it so hard? to get our stories mandatory reading in public schools across this country. What's going on with the censorship? Mm -hmm. And I got news for you. 
a lot of people have ignored. This book is by a major publisher, HarperCollins, Amistad. Mm -hmm. And I am kind of stunned by how people have kind of turned their nose up at it. You know, and I'm like, wow, now I understand. It's almost like, oh, most of them are dead. Who cares? And that's why it is so critical for us to defend those who can no longer defend their legacies. And I will stand by pushing for this book to get in colleges and schools for the rest of my life because it is a slap in the face to Mahalia Jackson who yes. risked her career yes. and, and support. People think that was easy for her to do. In the 50s and 60s, when you said, I think something's wrong with Jim Crow, that was the end of you, okay? And when Mahalia Jackson told Martin Luther King, I don't care what happens, I'm a ride or die with you. He was so touched. He said, I want Mahalia to open everything I'm doing. March on Washington. I want, he even said, I want her to sing at my funeral because he didn't have a lot of people that were willing to risk it all. So Mahalia Jackson was a woman of tremendous integrity as the 25 women in this book. And it was hard to select 25 out of the, so many. But for these women, there was a criteria that they all had to meet. And they had risked so much, especially those who sang when segregation was still the law of the land. So I'm going to push for this book to get in schools. And I'm so glad you made that point. And I'm going to keep pushing for this to be a bestseller. These women deserve it. I'm asking for our people yeah. to support the, the stories of these women. Yeah. Our people. Yeah. Show that you love them. You don't get rich selling books, okay? This is not about me getting, yeah. I have a full-time job. <laughs> this book tells their story. And I know Mahalia Jackson, Rosetta Tharp, all of them, Inez Andrews, they're, they're proud that someone remembered them. So many of these women, D, so many of them traveled all over the world, all over the world, did incredible things, broke down barriers, gender and race. And now you walk down the street. I could ask a thousand people in New York City, have you ever heard of fill in the blank? They'll be like, who's that? Yeah, yeah. Unacceptable. And that's why this book should be in every school in America. So yeah. we know about the challenges of getting books in schools in yeah. the public school system. But I, I want to make sure our audience knows that we're not off the hook, okay? Yeah. If you're a church and yeah. you're a choir, every member of your choir should have a copy of this book. If you're at HBCU, and we all know yep. about the connection between great singers and the choirs at HBCUs, you should not be a student at an HBCU, and certainly not someone who sings yep. for HBCU, who yep. has not had read a copy of this book. In other words, Thank yes, you. there are systemic barriers that we got to deal with in things like public schools, and we can do a whole other show on what public schools yeah. allow you to do uh, in terms of educating our children. But we have other platforms that are natural platforms, That's right. including this show that says, hey, I'll buy it. This is the Christmas gift. This is the right. birthday gift. This is the graduation gift for anybody, even if you don't sing gospel. Because That's right. gospel is the jumping off point, not only for the careers of people and other, you know, we, we think of Aretha Franklin as an obvious example, but for how music became produced and yeah. sung. The whole OJ's exactly. catalog is R&B over gospel. Yep. So we, the Be Lifted Up audience, 
we need to do what we need to do. Yep. To buy the books, to encourage other people to buy the books and to tell the story so that by the time public schools get to it, they're behind the parade. They're like, right. well, well, because <laughs> exactly. they're reading it anyway. They're reading exactly. it Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, very quickly when I, you know, I profiled one group, the Davis sisters of Philadelphia. They're known as the hard charging sisters. They used to sing old school Holy Ghost and make you shout and everything. And when I reached out to the family, they were like, oh, my gosh, someone's remembering our mothers and aunts who sang. And I'm like, exactly. No one's talked about the Davis sisters. No one. They were from Philadelphia, traveled the world singing to the glory of God. You know, so many people have forgotten these women in particular. And I do point out the women because they had to fight harder to get on the mic. They had to fight harder to get their name, you know, as top billing at a concert. They did. And when I see the lukewarm reception to the book, I'm like, well, look at here. You know, like, wow, people are still dissing them even in death. But, you know, it's up to us to say you are not going to relegate them to second-class singers. They were A-listers. And it's, like I said, it's on us to put that crown on their heads. They did not want to be forgotten. They did not, D. They did not want to be forgotten. And they sang with everything they had, not because they had nothing else to do, but because they wanted to leave a mark in this world. And that's what this book is. It's saying to them, job well done. I love your passion, Cheryl. But you know what? I'm going to say I'm hopeful. And although it's challenging to get our folks to purchase books, um, and it sounds like it's been challenging in terms of the reception, I think one part of it is really because of just us investing in books. I think so some of that has to do with that versus the content. But I do think it's uh, normalizing books, but perhaps books in terms of content or history that needs to be told and downloaded. And now we're in a window of opportunity to yeah. push for some standard. It's almost like the that encyclopedia collection that our yeah. purchase is like, well, if we had to recreate an encyclopedia for the country, because now yeah. you know, Black people are on brand and everybody wants to know, yeah. or at least they did for the first two years. But wouldn't yeah. it be amazing to put together a new encyclopedia collection, but it's a collection of the 10 or 20 or so books in different uh, genres and categories, whether it's music and entertainment, by the way, not just musicians should read the book, it's entertainers. So every program at, you know, it should be baseline reading. In American, in K through 12, in history class, come on somebody, uh, come on, ordered. And then when corporate wants to now hire us to speak about Juneteenth, well, look, let's go, we're gonna do you one better. We have a whole collection of how we're gonna educate you. And it's not gonna be on uh, red juice, red punch, God rest the souls of our ancestors. But here's what we're gonna do to level up, okay? Here's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about these five themes or these seven themes this year. and then for the rest of the year, because Juneteenth is not just a day and it's not just a month, but Thank we're going to talk about it. And here's our core curriculum. And so I really, you know, I get super passionate about other people's passion and amplifying it. And because I'm a businesswoman, I'm a woman of faith. I believe, listen, with man, it's impossible. But God says nothing is impossible and too hard for me. So I'm believing that the same way you got the major book deal, uh, some allies could come along. Listen, allies and advocates, y'all listen. You could go to corporate and say, listen, this is sustainable 
sustainability is ESG. <sighs> Y'all could write a check and we're going to buy these books and then hand it out to corporate, hand it out to all the white folks, okay, for Juneteenth since y'all want to do something. We like it. Okay. We're going to talk about American history. Cheryl, you see, first of all, you came in excited and passionate, and that's all you need. You're the yeah, flame. yeah, yeah. D and I are nothing but sticks of dynamite waiting for somebody to light us up. So that's right. We're blowing up. But yeah. uh, you know, one of the things I love about the book, and with all that we've said about people forgetting about the Al Pacino Walkers and oh. they kind of remember Mahalia now because we had a couple of right. years, but you also do a great job, which I think is very important for any book or piece of content that is about our legacy of connecting it to the present. Yes. And so, you know, I want you to kind of go through the sections of the book where I kind of will, and you can talk about why you structured that way, but you go from queen mothers, yep. to in song, to architect of the melody, which yes. is understand that they weren't just singing it, they were creating right. That's um, right. crossover queens like Aretha Franklin, mm-hmm. uh, Baby Staples, a favorite of mine. Uh-huh. Um, but then we got today, this is not a dead art. Yes. Time on Man. Yes. Of course, the great Yolanda Adams, who Black yes. Women is just honored with our Legacy Award at the Women of Power Summit this past year. Yes. Uh, who I rock to at the gym every day, you know. <laughs> Um, so to talk to me about this is not about oh just what my grandmother listened to right. this is now this is a book and an art and a craft and artists who are happening right now absolutely and you know our music form gospel is a living music based on a living gospel based on a living jesus christ right yes. so there's nothing dead about this at all so the music has to reflect that so we had a challenge alfred of how do we categorize these women when you finally have the 25 which was so hard to do because we could have made it a list of 100 but we had to scale it down and it's like okay who do we put in each category so we were very proud of how we categorize all of these and the queen mothers i think is the most important you know mahalia jackson has to top any list the greatest of all time but you know who's after mahalia it's in line with how you and d open this show and it's a woman who has widely been forgotten her name was sally martin she is known as the mother of gospel music. I heard one of you talk about Thomas Dorsey, the father of gospel music. By his side was a woman named Sally Martin. I also heard, I, I love your show, okay? And I even love everything you said with this, in this hour. And you talked about finances and you talked about the business of gospel. Well, guess what? Sally Martin in 1940 started her own publishing company. Think about what was happening in 1940. That's why I'm so proud of this book. In 1940, you had to go through a colored only door. Women were treated as less than nothing. You couldn't vote. You couldn't even work where you wanted to work. And Sally Martin said, all of this amazing gospel music that we're making, why are we just allowing the sheet music to be given away to who, what, where, when, and why? So she was the brains that created order and the financial part of gospel music. Her business was called Martin and Morris Music Company. And that's one of the other gems in this book. It draws out all of these little things that no one knew. Did you know that, Alfred? 
I did not know that. Most people do not not know know that. that. And so she was a pioneer. And then fast forward to CeCe Winans, who just blew up at the Grammys again and did, you know, CeCe Winans is on fire. You know, Tamala Mann is on fire. But no Sally, no CeCe, no Mahalia, no Yolanda. You see the connection? So that's what I mean by this is a living history. These beautiful sisters are still carrying the water that their mothers and grandmothers carried, and it wasn't easy for them. So the business of gospel music that both of you so eloquently articulated at the top of your show is still critical now, but these women made it happen. <sighs> this is so refreshing. It is so refreshing and to feel and to hear your power and your passion. I'm just super, super, uber grateful. So, yeah. you know, it, Thank it, hits, you. it hits me just now as we're talking about the, the legacy. Yeah. And I didn't think about this till just now. And maybe this is something for us all to explore. Who's coming up after Yolanda and Tamala? Right. And, you know, and, and if we don't celebrate this legacy, Who's going to be inspired to say, um, yeah, y'all can go be the next Beyonce. Y'all can be the next Jennifer Hudson. But I want to be the next Yolanda Adams or Mahalia Jackson um, right. if we don't. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the, the role of legacy, not only to right. document what already happened, but to right. inspire and direct what will happen in the future. Yeah, right. and that's no. They wouldn't know to attach it. They wouldn't exactly. In fact, there's a conversation happening right now about things like appropriation and yeah. what I call in our community, I call it black on black crime. And that mm. would be if I'm sampling, right? If I'm yeah. sampling from Mahalia. Now that's so far back, but I do think that there is a, a window of opportunity to speak to this from that context, even in terms of the need. Because right yeah. now, you know, we're in a season of course correcting. Like we have yep. a window of opportunity to be bold and unapologetic about this. So yes, yeah, so I'd love to hear that as well, uh, Cheryl. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with both of you. And do you remember when hip hop got a hold of Shirley Steezer's song, yeah. No Charge, yeah. when she's doing her, that was her old song that yeah. they just sped up, threw a hip hop track under. There were so many people that didn't even know that was Shirley Steezer. And then like one of her grandsons, if I have this story correctly, said that's my grandma, did an interview with her on social media and everyone was like, oh, Half the people didn't even know in hip in the hip hop world who Shirley Caesar was. So that leads exactly to your point, the misappropriation. Now, what if she didn't have a grandson that could throw a camera in her face and go, hello, this is Shirley Caesar that everyone's going crazy over this sample. So that's why the education of our own legacy is so important. And if we don't protect it, even stars as big, you, you said Beyonce. Beyonce transitions. If somebody doesn't protect her legacy, 50 years from now, believe it or not, some kid could say, who's Beyonce? Yeah. Like right now they're saying, who's Dinah Washington, who was one yeah. of the biggest stars yeah. ever in, in, in R&B history and the blues. So, you know, there are so many of our greats who are just disappearing. 
So we have to protect it. We have to make sure it's not appropriated for a different genre where they act like, oh, who was that person? Yep. So it's all in our hands. Mm-hmm. To your point, Dee, this is completely in our hands. Mm-hmm. And gospel music, and one of you said this earlier, is the bedrock for every music form that people are listening to. And I don't care what it is, if it's hip hop, jazz, blues, R&B, country music, whatever. It started with Black folks in the field working, singing their hearts out. It's called spirituals, and that spirituals gave way to gospel, which birthed rock and roll in every music form you hear today. So we need to honor our mothers and fathers from these humble beginnings who created great music that the entire world has built off of. And it's the only music form that's originated. Original, that's it's right. the original American music from all which all other American music, and of course now globally impacted. Um, you know, that's it was, right. It, was something, it wasn't something that was imported from another country. That's right. So, it's so, created so, right so, here by our ancestors. Listen, we obviously want people to buy this book. We've made that case. I'm sure it's widely available, but, but Cheryl, in the time that we have left in this last segment, what do you want our audience to really carry away from this uh, both in terms of thought and in terms of action. Um, as listeners of the show, as people of faith, um, and faith is about action, not just feelings and yeah. words. Mm-hmm. That's right. Faith without actions is dead, right? So honor these women. Give this book as a gift to your mother, your grandmother, your grandfathers, all of the people who appreciate gospel music. This is sacred music. And these women poured their hearts and soul. People used to uh, offer Mahalia Jackson millions of dollars to sing the blues. And she said, never will I do it. Never will I sell my soul. Many did. She refused. And so we need to say thank you to Mahalia. This is her story. And this is her song. And all of the women in this book are representative of amazing women who did amazing things. So it's our time to say thank you. Ooh, and thank you, Cheryl. That is a word. I know you share the same sentiment. We are just so blessed and grateful that you're here with us <laughs> in this great work. We're obviously going to support this in every way we can think of. Just thank you for being on the show, Cheryl. It's my honor to be with both of you. I'm a big fan, and thank you for the time, sincerely. And that's our show for today. That was Cheryl Willis. She is an author and Emmy Award-winning news anchor. If you are in the New York uh, metro area, the name of the book is Isn't Her Grace Amazing? The Women Who Changed gospel music and you can buy the book on amazon right now and i really want to encourage all of us to purchase the book go to amazon and buy the book leave her a review and i know that um our ancestors our late greats and their families i know they will be encouraged to know that these women are not forgotten and i know that it will encourage and bless cheryl's heart to know that we care and so um it, what a show she's such an amazing spirit she's so sweet oh my god oh, oh my god amazing powerful like you said an amazing spirit that really sums it up and i'm, I'm going to echo you and when d says buy the book now the emphasis is on now now i just know for myself you can just pull out your phone right now Hit the Amazon app, order a book or two. I mean, this is something that's that's really worth doing. And uh, 
we, we need to make this happen. So I, I'm really, really appreciative of, of having her on the show. Listen, you're listening to Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. You can follow us on all social platforms at Be Lifted Up Radio. You can listen to this show and past installments of the show at BeLiftedUpRadio.com. I'm here, Alfred Edmund Jr. with DC Marshall. We are so glad you didn't miss this one, but you shouldn't miss any of them. So thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time. It's Be Lifted Up, your guide to living an abundant life. Okay, y'all. Sisters in Solidarity, a celebration of girl groups for Black Music Month, hosted by the award-winning Funky Divas, In Vogue. Hey, it's Terry Ellis from In Vogue with this Black Music Month Spotlight. They are true sisters in the spirit who helped bring gospel music into the mainstream. With three Grammy Awards, 16 albums, and millions in sales, they are the highest-selling female gospel group in history. When you're just faithful over the gift that God has given unto you, He can continue to allow you to move forward. With hits like, Is My Living in Vain, You Brought the Sunshine, and Pure Gold, we celebrate the Clark Sisters, our sisters in solidarity. Girl groups who shape the fabric of contemporary music and soundtracks of our lives. Be sure to join the hashtag Ladies in Solidarity Music Challenge on Instagram. To experience more, visit CafeMochaRadio.com. Brought to you by... It's time to embrace you, your melanin-rich skin, and its unique beauty needs. When you get over the age of 50, you definitely have to start using things on your skin. I know is made specifically to address maturing skin conditions. All of the I know products provide highly effective natural ingredients dedicated to delivering proven results. The best advice my mother gave me, take care of your skin now so to take care of you later. I know, your beauty solution for maturing skin.